My name is Sarah Dudnitz, and you're listening to PR Hangover, a public relations podcast brought to you by Grand Valley State University's PRSSA chapter. We will go ahead and get started. So to start off, do you just want to tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? I can do that. So I'm Bruce Reynolds. I'm manager of internal communications at Steelcase, uh, a job I've had in some form or another now for about 20 years. I started out as a journalist. I was uh, I was a student at Northwestern University in Chicago. I was uh, in the radio, TV, news side of things. There are professors there who would probably be rolling in their graves that I'm now in a business where I'm making up some quotes and things like that. But made the leap uh, not too long after college, after having some broadcasting experience in smaller markets and bigger ones, but realizing that corporate communications paid much better and the hours were much better. So um, that was it for journalism, at least in an official sense. Yeah. I also started out as a journalism major, actually, for a very short amount of time. Do you feel like your journalism experience has helped you now in your career? Oh, absolutely. I think you're still in a storytelling mode. And one of the things that I like about the internal side of of corporate communications versus uh, more traditional PR or uh, or brand communications is that you are still um, able to report, mm-hmm. uh, able to communicate news in a way that obviously is uh, in the company's uh, favor, that you're putting the company in a good light, you're not out there trying to dig and investigate and right. tell the full truth, but you're, you're telling as much of the truth as, as can be shared, but finding a way to make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, pr- uh, understandable for a variety of audiences and I prefer the reporting to the more I'm here to sell you a product uh, side of communications. For sure. um, so what made you interested in internal communications or what led you to this field? Besides the better Besides, hours right, and right. better pay. <laughs> After you've been in a radio station taking uh, phone calls for school closings in the blizzard for too many mornings, anything else looks uh, <laughs> like uh, I think in my case, and, and I was in Connecticut at the time, I was uh, working uh, uh, in New Haven and had gotten to know some of the people at Yale New Haven Hospital, mm-hmm. one of the leading uh, healthcare organizations in that part of the country. Um, because they were coming to us and pitching stories or we were covering things that they were doing. Uh, so in that case, I had sort of built up this relationship. And when they had a, a job opening, they were looking for a newsletter editor and some, somebody who could do some other things. Um, I was able to pull out uh, uh, my clip file from uh, college and other places. Uh, they knew me as a, as a news person already. Um, it sounded like, again, an opportunity to do a form of journalism for a while uh, and then continue to do that in various other places. I moved around the country a little bit. Uh, my wife at the time was a professional uh, student, so we were moving every few years and I was often the person who had to find a job when I got to the new place. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I found is that doing communications like this in a hospital, in a school system in Virginia, uh, in a bank back here in Michigan and then uh, for a manufacturing company, really you're talking about the same things. You're helping employees understand this enterprise that they're part of, um, where they fit in, what it means to be 
part of this company, what the company expects from them, and vice versa, what they can expect from their company. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about their their benefits, their uh, uh, makes no difference what what industry you're in, certainly, and and really everybody just wants to sort of figure out what they what they do and how it connects to the bigger goal. Are there any big challenges that you've had to face in your career? Uh, yeah, I think um, a couple of uh, sorts of things. One is the is the um, moving uh, around the country uh, mm-hmm. and having to to restart. I think uh, in terms of the time I've spent at Steelcase and uh, anybody who grew up in Grand Rapids might recall the the Steelcase of the 1980s when office furniture was booming and it was the place that everybody wanted to work. Uh, it paid extremely well. The benefits were were higher than average. Didn't get into the company, at least in the manufacturing side, without somebody who worked there sponsoring you in already. Mm-hmm. That shifted um, when we went through some economic downturns to a point where the company was shrinking. It was uh, letting people go. It was mm-hmm. rethinking its uh, manufacturing model, becoming more global, which would have probably happened anyway, but a lot of things were happening at a rapid pace. The challenge of of communicating difficult decisions, of helping people who were surviving some of these uh, cuts, um, stay focused on what they needed to do, and and to understand the reasons for the changes and the, the reasons that this industry was never going to be what it had been. Um, it was a challenge, but it was also a a very meaningful communications challenge that, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, I think that's why we're there. That's that's why the companies need people who, who understand how to help tell that story and help leaders uh, get a message across. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to something you said a little bit earlier with the challenge of moving all across the country and having all these different jobs. Do you think um, the experience of working in different industries and having a, a variety of experiences is more beneficial than you know staying with one company for a long time, or do you think that there's benefits to each? Um, I think there's I think there's benefits to each. I think in any um, role you come into, communications in a large corporation is always a little bit to the side. Most of the other people in the business say, "Well, you're not really." You're not really making us money. You're not really part of the core element here of what we do. Sometimes it's harder to jump from communications into some other part of the company. It Mm -hmm. certainly can be done. Um, So it's it's vitally important that you understand the business you're in at a pretty Mm -hmm. deep level, that you're not just thinking about communications, but you're thinking about the the business. So um, working in healthcare. Uh, to understand the the pressures that nurses were under, not just because it was the reason they weren't reading our stuff was because they were uh, incredibly busy taking care of patients, um, but understanding the changes in the industry and what technology was starting to do in in healthcare as we were seeing this was a while ago, but uh, it's only intensified since then. Um, or go into a, a public school system and understand what what that model is really like and what mm-hmm. teachers are, are dealing with and um, how that um, 
you know, public organization functions within the community. Um, you, ha you, have to, you have to know that, and the more of those experiences anyone has, then uh, it certainly helps them look at things from a, from a broader perspective. Uh, as I say, I think there are a lot of things you can apply, whether you were in one industry or not, when you move to another, uh, another company. Uh, a lot of people who work in agencies tend to get this experience automatically because they're working with different clients all the time. Mm -hmm. They're working with uh, uh, a bank in the morning and a, and a consumer company in the afternoon or right. something like that, uh, whereas somebody who's in a corporation, that's where they are. Right. Um, do you have sort of a, a standout memory or something that is just a favorite thing about what you do? Um, you know, there's there's a lot of them. Good. Usually, usually, um, what I have tried to do, what I bring to any of the places that that I've worked, is um, to try to bring a little sense of fun, a little sense of humor, mm -hmm. into the communications that we do. Um, and you can have a little bit more flexibility, a little more leeway when you're communicating with the employee base than when you're communicating with your customers or your dealers or somebody else where that's more of a marketing message and yeah you don't have to be totally serious but you know there's a certain tone that you want to set. Um, with employees whether it's the changing up the uh, internal website on April Fool's Day or um, running some em employee events that uh, have a little bit more uh, whimsy to them. It's like that. That's, I think, to to kind of bring that little element of fun into the workplace, which we all look for, mm -hmm. um, and to have the capability to to sometimes make that happen, or to take a, a, a employee town meeting with eight hundred people there and know, okay, what's the what are the two or three minutes where we're going to just entertain them as opposed to just mm -hmm. trying to. Uh, share important information or tell them about how the company performed this quarter. That's, that's definitely one thing for me. Um, and I think the, the flip side of, oh, we have had to communicate difficult information over the years because the industry and the company have changed, um, is also the, the positive side of communicating complex issues in a way that people understand them, whether it's four-paragraph announcement about a reorganization of the company structure to uh, a lengthy discussion around a new benefit program or something. It's like somebody comes and says, I need your help. I don't know how to say this. And I can say, I do. We'll figure this out. We'll get, we'll get it in a way that it makes sense and still tells your story. Mm -hmm. um, so employee communications, you get, to, you get to have those little wins all the time. There are certain parts of communications you can work on a project for a long, long time. If you're launching something new or uh, trying to roll out a big project, it takes a long time to sort of get that sense of uh, satisfaction back. That's awesome. I'm doing anything I can to sell internal communications because I know <laughs> that many of the people listening to this are thinking, I want to do PR. I want to be the digital communications person for this brand or that brand. Uh, you know, I'm going to help us make money. And employee communication sometimes sort of gets that, you know, 
backseat to uh, some of the people who are more directly involved. In doesn't the, sound as glamorous. Doesn't sound as doesn't. doesn't sound as glamorous to people, but yet it is it is vitally important in any company mm-hmm. that there is that uh, that healthy. Uh, platform for communication more and more two-way communication all mm-hmm. the other uh, things that we're doing but uh, for me it's it's the best part of it. Well, I know last night at PRSSA we heard from Derek DeVries and he was telling us about crisis communication um, and he was saying how you know an employee should never learn that they're about to lose their job by walking out of the office and suddenly there's a reporter asking them questions about things like that. So I just think that speaks too to the importance of of having a plan and being able to communicate with employees about, you know, like you said, sort of an economic downturn or if something big is happening in the company, being able to communicate that to them um, in an appropriate way. So it's definitely an important job. Well, and we always just say our sort of mantra on any of those sorts of things is, you know, affected employees have to hear it first. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can stretch your definition of who uh, that is. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, hey, we're going to close a plant. Yeah, that's big news. Um, or um, your boss's boss is different. Um, but we need to explain what's what's happened and why and what's going on. And let's make sure that we sequence all of those things so that the people who are directly in line hear it before the rest who are just kind of semi-interested in right. how this finance department is reorganizing or whatever it is. Do you see any public relations or communications trends happening in your industry, or how do you feel like your work has changed over um, the last couple of years? Uh, I think the biggest trend for company communications uh, is the blending of social media into traditional business communications. Um, The old model says that the internal communications department is a gatekeeper. You come to us and you say, I have a story here. Um, I'd like you to publish it in your newsletter, which comes out at a certain time with a certain number of pages. Um, We in communications say, well, I think we can give you a quarter of a page or half a page to, you know, we'll tell that. We'll write that story. We'll let you see it, but Mm -hmm. we're going to figure out how to tell that story. Uh, and it's going to be in our timeline and everything. Very in control. Of and we're still kind of, yeah, we're still kind of the final say. And, you know, we'll figure out what picture to run with it. We have a system at Steelcase, our, our social community, social business system, call it what you will, that really makes everybody a reporter. You can blog your own story. You don't need communications to write it. You don't need communications to approve it. Uh, we are a little bit more open than many companies are when it comes to that sort of thing. Uh, but we want everybody to feel like, all right, I can be a reporter. We have a sales win. I can tell that story. Mm-hmm. If we are dealing with an issue and we could use some help, I can ask for it. Uh, and so the role of the internal communications person is less of the gatekeeper and, and judge and more of a facilitator of a communication or how do, we, how do we inspire some dialogue and some you know, conversation? How do we get people to tell their stories? Mm-hmm. Maybe we helped write it, but we don't want it coming out on our byline. We want it coming out on their byline. Mm-hmm. Um, and convincing people who are, you know, would never hesitate to post something on Facebook or uh, email somebody that they can just go ahead and write that story and... Right and post it on our network and we'll decide how to 
how to give it visibility if we think it's something the rest of the company can see. Um, that's a very different role than mm -hmm. you get six column inches and it's due at two o'clock on Friday. Right, yeah. Do you think that there are challenges to that as well with being less in control of what people are saying and people can say anything on social media? Do you think there's challenges or risks with that? Oh, absolutely. Probably we were more worried about what people would do with this system. We started it seven, eight years ago now. Mm -hmm. um, we were more afraid that people would be posting too much of their social activity, too much of their life on their business channel. They didn't do that, really. Um, there have only been a handful of situations where we've ever said, yeah, that's probably not appropriate for a business setting. Um, either it was because they were trying to take a political view on something that really didn't affect the company at all, or um, very little name-calling, very little uh, anything else. Which I'm a little surprised that we didn't have to do more moderation, more uh, cleaning up of, of the site. But I think that one of the other trends, to go back to your earlier question, is um, there's this expectation now from people coming into companies that they want to um, they want to understand what executives are doing and thinking and that there's this call for transparency that, that maybe wasn't as expected before. Mm -hmm. um, there's this expectation of uh, I want to understand the decisions the company's making about how it uses its resources, how it um, what it does in the communities. Are we um, are we taking a stand on issues that affect us? Mm -hmm. um, you know, what does this company think about climate change? What does this company think about immigration? Do we believe in something here? Mm -hmm. What does this company think about the role of a company? Because the Business Roundtable, one of the most influential groups of CEOs in the in the company and the country, just came out this summer with a new statement that said, you know, we've decided that corporations really aren't about shareholder value. They're about all of the different stakeholders. And at Steelcase, we're going, well, well yeah, uh, we've believed that for a long time. But for a long time, this, these business organizations had sort of taken the stance that the real purpose of a company is to make money for its investors. Mm -hmm. Well, who wants to work for that? Right. Uh, people want to work for a company that's helping the community, that's looking after its employees, that's adding value to its customers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so they're, they're kind of looking for that, proof of that. They're looking for those stories. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we'll trade the authenticity of hearing it from individuals who are right at the front line than a corporate, cleanly written article. Right. I see a lot of things that I say, well, I wouldn't have exactly told it that way, or I would have shot that picture differently. Mm -hmm. um, but I'll trade it for the fact that people are telling their own story. Mm -hmm. um, what advice would you give to yourself at 20 years old or to someone at 20 years old who wanted to do what you do? Uh, at 20 years old, I thought, oh, this ESPN thing, that'll never go anywhere. <laughs> um, when I was working in the sports department of a TV station in Chicago and probably had an in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny how it all works, isn't it? Um, and yeah, Connecticut, oh my God. And I ended up moving to Connecticut anyway for a while, but that's beside the point. Uh, so I guess that, that sort of goes back to the, the point of assume nothing. Um, what you're doing now is probably not even a job that will exist um, as we go forward, or uh, will certainly 
evolve two or three times based on the technology that comes along, the, the changes in the market, what the customer needs, what the employee needs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, mean, I started out as literally writing a newsletter for Grand Rapids employees. It came out every Thursday and it was three pages of news and one page of classified ads. There was, of course, no Craigslist. There was no online option. It was the Grand Rapids Press classified section. Right. But, but heck, if you sold it to somebody at Steelcase, you could swap it out at lunchtime. Mm-hmm. Um, so we go from that to a global platform where we have employees in Monterey, Mexico, and Kuala Lumpur, and Grand Rapids all exchanging comments on the same article. And yeah, the idea of, of posting a used car ad seems a little impractical. Um, my, my job, my f- function really hasn't changed as much in 20 years. We just brought so much more into it and then I went and picked out certain things that I was interested in. So I think that's the other piece of advice is that if you look for those opportunities, you can, you can sort of rewrite your own job description. Mm-hmm. Well, you're a newsletter article writer. Yes, but I like doing uh, large events. So I like stage managing the big sales conferences and the big leadership meetings that we do. So I'm going to add that to my portfolio. Um, And over time, I've been able to get my hand into a lot of other things that aren't necessarily part of the traditional communications uh, role. Uh, The other thing I would would say is no matter um, what technology you're using, no matter what the, the medium, is the importance of being able to write a good, clear story, whether it's a tweet or whether it's a magazine article, and there are skills about writing for both. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still see a lot of kind of loose uh, writing, not just from employees in general, but from people who should should have that skill, or people who say, in communications, yeah, I'm not really a writer. I'm a, I, you know, I do strategy, I write communication plans, but when it comes right down to it, um, we need to get a writer to come in and do this. And it's like, wait a minute, you're, you're a communications professional. That should be a given. Mm-hmm. Dennis doesn't say, well, yeah, I don't really do, you know, tartar. <laughs> <laughs> I only do fillings, you know, I don't know. Right. But it's that kind of, it's that kind of feel that, um, that, you need to be able to express yourself or in many cases what we're doing is helping other people express themselves mm-hmm. uh, and if you don't feel that you're a writer um, that's a skill that you, anybody should should feel good about themselves when they mm-hmm. are asked to do it for sure um, events video work uh, digital communication uh, people who think well i want to specialize i want to work in this field or that field or whatever um, in employee communications, we're often doing all of those things to some degree. We're still a company, uh, as many companies are, that is still highly dependent on on uh, people emailing things. But more and more, it's just becoming too much. People are buried. They have too many other inputs coming from all the other tools that they have. Um, so, you know, we like to think of. Um, there's really only about four ways that people get information uh, in a company. One is face-to-face, whether that's from your 
individual uh, department manager or a big meeting where the CEO is talking to 800 people. We, we do both. Um, and if it's, a, if it's a small meeting, that manager may need some help, may need some talking points or some uh, uh, facts to feel more confident about, about sharing that story. So there's that face-to-face -face, uh, impression. There's the um, online, whether it's uh, the company uh, intranet or, or uh, any of its public sites. Um, there is still, obviously, uh, email. And then there's the, 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 the signage version, which can Im imply um, old-fashioned posters tacked up on the wall or any kind of digital signage, message boards, whatever. Something that you walk up to and can look at, but when you walk away, you have nothing left. Mm -hmm. And then the fifth, uh, the fifth way of communicating is in something that's actually printed. And yes, we still do it on occasion, but not <laughs> nearly as much uh, as we used to, where you actually, wherever you go, you can have this with you. Mm -hmm. um, Nowadays, if somebody hands me paper at the end of a meeting or says, well, here's a copy of my slides, like, that's great. I don't have a desk. I float, uh, as many people at Steelcase do. We, we do not have an assigned workspace. We have a drawer somewhere. Otherwise, we live out of a backpack and we work on campus wherever it, it suits us at the time. So I don't want your paper. I do not want uh, a, a, you know, I might take a newsletter and I would go home and read a newspaper any day, but um, I don't necessarily want print materials, but there are certain times when that's the best way to reach people or you're reaching them with information about the rest of their lives, medical benefits, for example. You're going to mail something to their house. You want their spouse or partner to see it. You want the employee to have it and refer to it. Um, so we're mixing and matching all of those tools anytime somebody comes with a communications issue. Hey, I want to announce this. All right, well, how much of that should be in big meetings, small meetings, posters, online, what are, what's all the different... Uh, the different mediums. The different mediums. And then if you look at it, there's really only three or four types of uh, people that you're going to hear from. You're either going to hear it from a, a leader that you know, your direct supervisor, your direct manager. Uh, again, that's the person you probably trust the most, but maybe the person who doesn't know the story as well without some help. Or you're going to hear it from an executive. It's going to have come in the voice of an executive. They've blogged on our channel. They've stood up in front of a meeting. You don't know them particularly, but they have some weight. Uh, or you're going to hear it from one of your peers, um, which, again, when you have an online platform like we do, uh, it's a lot of peer-to-peer -peer communication uh, because it doesn't have to go through anybody else. Uh, or we offer some... Uh, uh, speaker programs where employees have a chance to present some of the research that they might have done. So um, that's another powerful tool is to hear it directly from somebody who's done the work. Mm -hmm. There is a kind of a company voice. A lot of things get written sort of an anonymous, the voice of the company without really having it attributed to any one person. We try to limit that somewhat because it's not very personal. Mm -hmm. um, maybe that's the way you talk about uh, benefits, but in general, it's like, no, I want the HR person to kind of own that story or somebody uh, somebody else. Um, we also find that depending on the company, um, employees will, will find out a lot about their company by reading what other people are saying. Mm -hmm. Steelcase isn't in the press all that much, but imagine if you work at Apple, uh, 
and every day you could pick up uh, the newspaper or go online and read about your company and what analysts are saying and what critics are saying. Um, and that flavors anything you hear from your own company because you're comparing it to what you believe an objective outside source is. Uh, sometimes internal communications is all about reacting to external communications. Mm -hmm or at least trying to make sure that people have a solid, solid story that they, can, uh, that they can go to so that they don't get shaken by what they might read from somebody else who may or may not have an ax to grind. Right, right. That's good advice. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. <laughs> hope you've enjoyed listening to PR Hangover. If you'd like, you can give us a follow on Twitter at GV underscore PRSSA, and you can check out our show notes at GVPRSSA.com.